So in this second Sunday after resurrection, we, we're returning to Colossians, and we are uh, in a series, and that series is called A Life Shaped by God. The first verse of the third chapter says this, So, if you are serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, if you are serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ. And, and that's just a place to pause and just say, we as a community are serious about living this resurrection life with Christ, not alone. And we want our life to reflect it. There is a connection between what we believe and how we live. So we, we take this serious. We want to be as alive as we can be, and we want to act out of the life that Jesus gives us. And, and, and in order for that to happen, God needs to shape our lives, and God shapes our lives from the inside out. It starts, the, you know, the moment that I said yes to Jesus, yes, I will follow you, that, that began a, 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 an inside-out transformation and so he is, he's freeing me from a life that's shaped by things or by just the negative things that I carry around with me. So God is now shaping my life. And it's very, very fun to step back into God shaping our lives. Last week, God was shaping our life through marriage. And this week, we want to share God is shaping our life through family. God, the moment I was 17 when I said yes to Jesus, I will follow you. And really, at that moment... I didn't know Susan. God began to shape me. I met Susan. We got married. And through our marriage and uh, the years that we've lived together, God has been working to deepen that shaping. And he's, he's really used Susan in many ways to just kind of be the mirror for me. Go, oh, my goodness, that needs to change. And so I've been changing. And then we had three kids. And it was now we... Now we have four mirrors in the house. And, and I, oh my goodness, God. So God just keeps deepening, shaping me. He's shaping me. He's conforming me to the image of Jesus. So that I begin to look and act and think more and more like Jesus. Distinct, you know, I am, but, but still more like Jesus. And, you know, with our children, and again, we've, we've now, we've raised our children. Our children are now adults. We're now having grandchildren. So I, I do, I want you to know there's joys, there's sorrows, there's success, there's failure, there's hope, there's disillusionment. What I'm going to say today about family, there is absolutely, there's no guarantee that what we do is going to, like, we're going to do ABC and it's going to end up with ABC. No. Some, much of the shaping of me with coming through my children, through our family, was disillusionment. Because people told me, well, if you do this, this is going to result. And it didn't result. Anybody been there? So you got to work through that. Now, I wouldn't change what I did because I think that was right. But there is no guarantee. I remember, again, just within vineyard family life, John Wimber, as a younger man, had a, a, he had a family seminar. He had 10 points. So that's 10 biblical points about raising your family. And then years of, 
life and having his own children and the struggles with that. And then others, he said, well, I still do a family conference, but I only have three suggestions. (laughs) So, So that's really great. But God does want to encourage us with our family. So in Colossians 3, God's encouragement to us is this. Children, follow your parents in all respects. For this pleases the Lord. Parents, do not embitter your children in order that they may not become discouraged. The context for children and parents, we started with husbands and wives, and now we're talking about children and parents. So we're talking about literal children and parents. So children within the first century, the time that this was written, would range from birth to teenagers. Now this is going to be a scary quote for our younger folks. During the first century, the Jewish rabbis set the minimum age of marriage at 12 for the girl, And 13 for the boy. A boy should certainly be married by the time he was 18 to 20. So, isn't that incredible? (laughs) So, girls in the room, how old are you? Oh, my goodness, you're an old lady. (laughs) Can you imagine? But again, what I want to encourage us, I think something that we we should draw from this is if you have... Children that are past 20, you need to stop parenting them. They're no longer children. They are are adult friends, and they're unique. But if you're trying to direct young men and women after 20, and that's not going to work. We got this window. And then we get to do it again with our grandkids. Children... Follow your parents. Now, you probably is, I mean, does that sound a little weird? Is there another translation that you might be carrying around in your head? Is there another word for follow? Obey. Obey. Riley. Obey. Some, the, the more that I spend time within the Greek New Testament and with the lexicon, the more I realize there is party line translation. Uh, the verb here is really the verb has to do with hearing. Listen. Listen. And it's really the next is you're listening enough that you're going to follow. Now, that, is, that would be obedience. But I have, for the life of me, I don't know why those that have translated our Bibles have chosen obey over something that I think is probably a little bit more helpful. Riley, I'm going to pick on you today. Is that okay? Okay. What I want to encourage you to do today is I want to encourage you to follow your parents as they follow Jesus. So James and Kristen, as you follow Jesus, you are to invite Riley and Justin to follow Jesus with you.
Riley, they're going to they're ask you, they're going to invite you to follow Jesus in all aspects of life. Like from getting up in the morning, like fixing breakfast in the morning, what the diet is, what dress, you know, getting dressed looks like, everything. Everything, you're going you're gonna to learn about every aspect of life because these two are following Jesus. So then waking up to going down to bed. Now, parents, if you didn't think Paul was addressing this to you, I'm sorry. But I really think he's addressing this to us as parents and grandparents. So it reminded me of something that comes out of the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 6. So I want you to stand with me. And as we read Scripture together, remember the dark print is something that we as a community say together. Light print is, I'll say it, okay? Attention, Israel. Love God, your God, with your whole heart. Write these commandments that I've given you today on your hearts. Get them inside of you and then get them inside your children. Talk about them wherever you are, sitting at home or walking in the street. Talk about them from the time you get up in the morning to when you fall into bed at night. Tie them on your hands and foreheads as a reminder. Inscribe them on the doorposts of your homes and on your city gates. Please be seated. The encouragement that I'm reading and want to pass on to you is that we are to be families that follow Jesus. And we follow Jesus because we believe He is alive. He is alive. So we're following someone who is alive. And we follow Jesus because we love Him. That's the primary motive of relationship. We love Him. And we love Him because we know He loves us. And we write his instructions on our heart. Now, obviously, you don't get a Sharpie, start writing scripture on your chest. Obviously, this is metaphorical. But how do you begin to write Jesus' instructions on your heart, on your interior? How do you do that? You got to spend time reading the Bible. You've got to spend time holding on to the things that you sense the Holy Spirit is saying to you. This would include memorization, but this goes beyond memorization. This is something that we are internalizing the instructions that Jesus has given to us. Let, let me take that what, you know, what's, happening to, what's happened to me in really beginning to pray for the Muslim world. See, I got to deal with Jesus said, love your enemies. Jesus said that. So I got to take that in. And I, I got to ponder that. And then I got to work through. But, there, but there's, there's some Muslim people who do horrible things. And Jesus says, love your enemies. Pray for those that persecute you. Love your enemies. So I, I got to work at inscribing that. Within my head and within my heart. 
so that it begins to be something that I live out so that I can have a civil conversation with Muhammad and not feel threatened that I'm in an Uber with a Muslim. Does that make sense? And then you put that in the context, I'm teaching my children how to live that way. My children are watching me go through that process of struggling to obey Jesus because what Jesus asks us to do goes beyond our natural abilities, right? And then this is so important. Parents, get his instructions inside of you. First, first, don't ask your children to follow Jesus in a way that you currently are not following him. If you are not following Jesus in the way that you're demanding that your children follow him, it is not going to work. Again, parents, I'm coming down heavy on you. You okay? You keeping your head above water? This is the way it works. May I also say, as as we go down this list, yes, we need reminders because we forget these instructions pretty quick. So we need reminders, like the the posting of Scripture on the doorposts and, and posting on the city gates. You know, in our public, we have this conversation about the posting of the Ten Commandments in our public squares. Well, folks, if we're not living those, there is no reason to post them in the public square. They've got to be something in us, lived out through us, before we make demands of posting them elsewhere. And it's so important that our kids see us following Jesus. Now, part of following Jesus is how you not follow Jesus. So when we fail, our kids have to, we have to talk about that. You talk about our success. You talk about our failure. We talk about when I, when I didn't follow Jesus, this is what happened. But this is what I did because he says when I don't follow him, then I can confess my failure. And then he is so faithful. He is such a friend. He forgives me. He cleans me up and we get to start again. Parents, you've got to teach your kids how to do that. And so that means you've got to drop your guard. You've got to be honest about whether or not you're following Jesus or not. And you probably know your kids better than I know. They're pretty sharp. They know when we are and when we're not. And then I, I love... The, again, this brings me to the... You, know, you talk about, again... Love, love your enemy. Well, we got to talk about that. You know, when you get up, when you go down, as you walk around, you got to talk. What, is, what in the world does that mean? How am I to understand that? How am I to apply that? So again, that's why I'm saying it goes way beyond memorization. There's a whole conversation about the instructions of Jesus. So what's stuck in your, what has Jesus said to you? recently that just is stuck in your head and you're thinking about it. Well, bring it out and start talking about it. And it's okay to say, you know, I'm not really sure I understand this. And then we do need regular reminders to continue following in the strike. Again, that's why we live in community. We need to help each other. This isn't something that's easy to do. And my friends, this whole 
thing I'm describing, this is what is pleasing and acceptable to the Lord. When our children are following their parents because their parents are following Jesus, this is pleasing and acceptable to the Lord. When families are following Jesus together, this is pleasing, this is acceptable. And parents, beware. Do not embitter your children in order that they not be discouraged. It's interesting that last week we talked about husbands and wives, that the idea of bitterness was there as well. So God is encouraging us to be in relationships that don't have bitterness. Let me remind you, see to it, no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and through it may become defiled, many become defiled. Bitterness grows from negative feelings to bad behavior. If somebody is acting out, there's something behind that emotionally. Bitterness begins with anger, hurt, and resentment. And it results in treating others harshly. If our children are snapping at us when we invite them to follow us, there's something of bitterness within that. So here's some difficult questions. I did invite Susan yesterday to look at this. Say, is this amazing? taking this too far? But this is I, I, this is I, I, I'm, this is coming from. I think that we got to ask these questions, parents. How do we irritate our children? It's, 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 do we, as adults, we kind of always blame the kids, don't we? I think that, again, the kingdom of God works the opposite of our world. How do we irritate our children? What do we do or not do that results in our children feeling hurt, angry, and resentful? We've got to notice that. If my child is hurt or angry or resentful, I've got to notice that. I've got to feel that. I've got to have my feelers out. And what have we done or not done as parents when our children's negative feelings are expressed in harsh behavior towards us? Toward, uh, toward answers for that, this is what I would suggest. In general, very general, when we as parents discourage our children in our lack of following Jesus. And following Jesus out of love for Him and love for others. I mean, we are down to just like the bedrock of our faith. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all your soul, all your strength, everything that you are, love Him. And love your neighbor who is not like you as yourself. So when we, as, as, as men and women, saying we're following Jesus, when we stop loving God, we stop loving the neighbors, where we stop following Jesus, that's going to discourage our kids. That, that's a dynamic in our family that's going to cause our kids to be discouraged. So when we as parents lose heart, and again, I'm, I'm not saying it's easy to follow Jesus. You've got to go up, you've got to go down, you've got to go around, you've got to go around, you get disillusioned, you lose hope. 
You wonder if he's there. I mean, it's, this, it's real life. But if we lose heart, if we stop loving Jesus, parents, if we stop obeying Jesus, if we stop loving the church, If we stop loving our neighbors, when we lose heart, our children lose heart. I so long. For parents to parent well, and I don't want to. I don't want to try to make something more simple than it is. But I've again, I've just got to say to every parent in the room: for the sake of your own children, for the sake of your grandchildren, for the sake of people that live next door to you, for the sake of people that you work with. The most important thing that you can do is follow Jesus wholeheartedly. That is our contribution to our generation. And if we stop following him, if we start playing religious games, if we start getting churchy, if we start saying, well, Sunday I'm like this, but Monday I'm like this, then then we're going to discourage our children. They're going to lose heart. And they're probably not going to follow Jesus. Again, I'm thankful that there's mercy. God had mercy on me. My parents didn't follow Jesus. And at 17, God had mercy on me and invited me to follow him. And it was a battle with my parents. They were not excited about me following Jesus. They were not supportive of me following Jesus. So there is mercy for those. But those of us in this room, you're here for a reason. Because something within you says, I want to follow Jesus. I just want to encourage you. Do that. You've got to do that. It's so important for the adults in this room to follow Jesus. For the sake of the kids in this room. And the kids back there. So I come to Holy Spirit, help. (laughs) I don't know if you picked it up, but I don't mind asking the Holy Spirit for help. Jesus said, I'm going to send you another helper. So guess what the Holy Spirit likes to do? Help. He helps. I've, I've never, I've never, ever had the Holy Spirit when I, help. I've never had him said, nope, not going to help you. You've asked too much. He's always there to help. So would you like to stand with me? Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. We ask you to come so that you can help us. We ask you to come so that you can encourage us. We ask you to come so that you can empower us. Help us as parents to love, 
and to follow Jesus in all aspects of life. Holy Spirit, I believe that you're inviting all of us to to go down new and, and really exciting paths as you direct our lives. So help us increase our love for you, increase our our commitment to follow you in everything. And Holy Spirit, help us to invite our children to follow Jesus with us. Help us as parents to be invitational with with our kids. Invite the kids to come with us. Help us to share more and more and more of our life with Jesus with our kids. Holy Spirit, I ask that you empower each and every family to root out any bitterness, any any loss of heart, any loss of love. Root that out of our lives that we may love Jesus, follow Jesus, love each other, follow Jesus together. And finally, Holy Spirit, give all of us a heart to love and to follow Jesus each and every day in every way possible. (laughs) Encourage us. Empower us. Fill us with your life. In your name, Jesus. Amen. My hope this morning has been to encourage us. If you've been discouraged, let's talk about it. Because it's been, I've been trying, I want to encourage you. Uh, Following Jesus is the best thing we can do with our lives. It's the most challenging thing we can do with our lives. And and so if if I can help you anyway, just again, we need encouragement to keep doing that. And so that's why we exist, to encourage one another to keep following. So thank you for our morning together. Please hug each other, encourage each other as we go and uh, enjoy the week ahead of you. Thank you.